Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate for everyone who submitted a different language version of why not us over the past let's call it six months you've been aggrieved why not us dan yes why not us? Chelsea champions! The Blues from the King's Road, London, are crowned the Kings of Europe, and they will dance till dawn! Chelsea fans, or, or should I call you champions of Europe? I think they're fans? all champions of Europe. Absolutely. Welcome back to the official match recap pod. Uh, coming at you from a hotel in Oporto, Portugal. Uh, we've got myself, Brandon, as always, joined by Nick and Dan, gentlemen, and calling fourth spot. We've got Joe Tweeds coming at you. So we're going to be jam packed. I think we should give them a little idea of what's going to go on, Dan. This is the furthest thing from a typical match review that they're going to get. <laughs> well, it's different, that's for sure. And I think, you know, you have to factor in. We were here, we went to the match, we traveled to Portugal to experience this moment. And so celebrating in the evening last night and then rolling into today, you know, there's, uh, look, a lot of things are going on, a lot of moving plates. And ultimately, we're just going to have some fun and talk through our trip to get here, talk through our experience of going to the match, going to a Champions League final, watching Chelsea win a Champions League final, and, you know, getting into maybe some of the things uh, that we enjoyed about the match and some of the specifics about the game. And look, uh, the audio quality may not be up to our typical standards that we have, we've had to reverse engineer some audio here. We jerry-rig something. But. Travel kit. uh, It's still going to be awesome, and I think everyone can forgive us. We've done airport sessions before, so at least you won't hear the. Uh, ambient uh, announcements uh, above uh, your head on this one. But um, really excited. I think we owe each other a little cheers here yeah, first, boys. Here's the audio quality. Tweets. Yeah. Uh, get involved, virtual, tweets. Virtual cheers, sir. I'm um, chasing myself. Oh, man. All right. So, Joe, let's kind of kick it off, right? We we got the, the crazy luxury to travel over here. Um, turns out not as easy as, as you might think. Um, I... 
a lot of logistical nightmares, but I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know where you want to start. We can pass it, pass it around on how the hell we actually got here, but, um, well, we want to flip the yeah. script. We want to let Joe ask questions. Joe should ask questions so that people can understand the journey. He should help us frame. <laughs> I've done two episodes of the King's Road and now I'm officially capable of hosting a podcast apparently. So, uh, yeah, we'll start from there. I think, first of all, the first thing I want to say that I'm very disappointed that last night's phone call between uh, the guys and myself wasn't recorded. I think if that was bonus content for this pod, that might have been the funniest thing that's ever happened. Um, the, 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 lost we'll leave, we'll, files. the lost files of London is blue. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave some of that out for the time being. But yeah, guys, I, I want to know, first of all, in terms of you arranging to, to come to Portugal, it seemed to happen in like a, like a handful of days. You know, people normally like really kind of prepare like logistically for, for Champions League finals. They book tickets in advance. Everything's done. It's rel- relatively reasonable in terms of pricing. So from sort of the idea of let's go to the final, I want to know kind of the, the planning steps you sort of undertook. And then I know personally, but I'd, I'd love to you, you sort of elaborate to the guys, just the extent to which a, obviously you're traveling in a pandemic, but also just the lengths you've kind of got to, to, to get to the hotel. So let, let's maybe kick off with, with Brandon on that one. Yeah. So my shot was Minneapolis, obviously, uh, to Porto. I had a really big meeting on Thursday. It was rescheduled from the week before. So that was really frustrating that I had this meeting from one to two thirty, and my flight I found because there's very limited flights right now. It was at four forty five. Um, so long story short, I went to the airport early to check in to speed up the process. And they told me I couldn't enter the country of Portugal. I needed documentation from the Portuguese government approving me. Otherwise, Delta would not let me on my flight. Long story, much shorter. I told that to the guys. We freaked out. We're like calling embassies and and consulates. And it was a mistake. She was wrong. Um, So I finally came back to the airport after my meeting, talked to a different person. They let me through with none hassle. And it was a breeze. Um, But I was running (laughs) through the Minneapolis airport to get there. (laughs) And then also uh, had to run through the uh, Amsterdam airport to catch up with Nick. Um, but w- once all the running was done, it, it was quite simple and easy. I tell you what. Yeah. It, so I think maybe back to your first point, Joe, like we, once we beat Real Madrid in the second leg, we, we kind of talked to each other and we were like, look, if we, if by some miracle we could get tickets, right. Then we would seriously consider going, even though we're still in a global pandemic, even though, you know, all this stuff is happening, we're all vaccinated. We had to go through negative testing to even begin to think about this process. And then one of our friends, uh, who's a season ticket holder, was able to secure three tickets for us. And so, you know, at, at night on a Wednesday, it was like a week, a week away from when we were going to travel. We were like, guys, are we are we going to do this? Like, <laughs> are we actually doing this? We made kind of a split decision. We booked flights the next day and. You know, we thought we were going to be all all good to travel because we met all the entry requirements that are listed on the websites and everything. And apparently the rules are a little arbitrary depending on your interpretation. And so uh, I had to figure that out the hard way. And I was lucky that I was I was in D.C. waiting for my connection. And Luckily. We're, all, we're all freaking out. And I, so I went up to the gate and I was like, look, we have done our homework. I have all the documentation I need am I getting on this flight? And she, and the lady looked at me, she's like, oh yeah, you're fine. And so I was like, all right, so I was the first domino to fall, yeah. then Brandon, and then Dan. <laughs> but Dan's domino <laughs> fell a lot later. Yeah. Well, as, as Nick highlighted, the arbitrary element of this is essentially it's like, whose line is it anyway? 
Like the points don't matter. The <laughs> or, rules are all made up and yeah. the points don't matter. Um, so I, I figured, I actually felt like my itinerary was really solid. Leave Seattle at 7 a.m., get to Boston by 12.45, 1 p.m., have a 6.50 flight out to Amsterdam to connect with these guys and get into Portugal. Well, that didn't account for four and a half hours of flight delays out of Seattle oh. due to mechanical issues. Getting to Boston and missing the connection flight by about half an hour. And Delta was great. They coordinated getting me onto the British Airlines flight at 9.55 that evening. But British Airlines was like, nah, you can't travel to Portugal, man. You're, you're not allowed. Like, that's it's not allowed for U.S. citizens at the moment. And so, uh, look, that was a really rough moment at the airport for me. I definitely yeah. was super disappointed and bummed out and, you know, Took, took the night as a mulligan to say, like, look, I, there's no other flight out of the U.S. right now. And so let me figure out, like, what is my best option to try to meet up with the guys and get here for this? And so went from bo- staying, you know, staying in a hotel overnight, woke up super early, Boston to Newark, Newark with uh, TAP, which is Air Portugal, which is like, you know, for the U.S. listeners, it's like Spirit uh, if they operated an airline that traveled internationally. Which is probably a reason they don't, and that's safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so end up getting there and provide the documentation, got on board, and you know that was like the fist pump moment in the air because I knew it was going to arrive. So I got here at you know you guys have been here a whole day at this yeah. point, and I get yeah. here at like nine a.m. the day of the Champions League final, and uh, yeah. Well, I I think the you know so to take you through Brandon and I like we we meet up in Amsterdam, Brandon runs to meet me has to get checked in at the gate and i'm like god no more hurdles please no more hurdles like we made it through customs we made it into the eu so getting to portugal we thought was was going to be easier but i mean we got here and we were chilling and dan's going through all this stuff and we're like it just didn't feel right you know without him here and so we were trying to figure out the the best way that we could get him here joe and like to to have him show up the next morning I think was like the boost we needed. And, and I kind of told everyone when, when we were here and we started drinking, it was like the fact that we all made it here. I'm convinced <laughs> we're winning this fucking game. Like I'm like, after everything we've been through, I flew out through tornadoes. Brandon that was the moment. Uh, yeah. It's like that moment right there. I was like, I'm convinced we did it. We did the hard part. I, I loved when I was uh, texting with the guys on the WhatsApp and, you know, letting them know, like, hey, like, I'm on the flight. I'm taking it. And, like, I get the photo from Nick with everybody, like, having a beer, just, like, celebrating the fact that, like, we finally got this across the line. Like, I don't know. I feel good about us getting a chance to take this trophy from beforehand. <laughs> so, sure. like, to me, it was like a cascading domino. There's, like, too much positive things breaking our way. Like, getting the tickets for the match, getting the flight situated – being able to kind of coordinate the time off. I mean, it's a, you know, a, a national um, holiday on Monday in the U.S. So, I mean, that kind of also gives gave us a little latitude to be able to pull this off so easily uh, or so easily, more, more easily than uh, maybe in a standard type of week. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, we've, we've regaled hopefully people enough with the, the journey. And as a, as we tell this story time and time again, it's only going to get bigger because that's what happens with these type of things. We had to, we had to fight White Walkers, uh, you know, there was <laughs> It's the whole thing, Joe. Thanos just started pulling out Infinity uh, Gauntlets, and it was wild. You know where you guys went wrong? You should have just said, I know Ricardo Cavallio, and then that would have been very simple. You needed to play the Cavallio card early. It's true. I think that's the only real solution here. But yeah, that sounds like an absolute nightmare from from your perspective, Dan, though. I can't actually imagine the 
Yeah, I, I don't know how I would have coped with that, actually, because, as you say, arriving like the day of the game, there's so much that can go wrong in terms of flights being delayed. And I know particularly that Amsterdam Airport is absolutely enormous as well. So even if you just sort of make, you know, kind of get there on time, it's still very, very easy to to miss a connecting flight if you are on the other side of that airport. It's like a small city in terms of how big <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, that, that's that's absolutely, absolutely crazy. So you you arrive at nine o'clock in the morning. What was the first thing that you, you you did then? Did you meet up with the guys or did you go to the hotel? I know from from experience that normally the drinking starts pretty much as soon as you roll out of bed on the morning. So I'm I'm curious what sort of those those first hours were like from from your guys' perspective. Gosh, yeah, it was uh, it was a quick turn. It was like drop the bags, like just get a quick rinse so that I you know you know shook off the smell of uh, tap. <laughs> uh, yeah. and- of tap. Uh, you know, we, we went, uh, had to go get ticket collection, had to go get bands to show, uh, you know, cause they were kind of managing, uh, entry into the stadium with, uh, verifying COVID tests beforehand. So we got our ba- our yellow bands so that we could get easy access, kind of walked around, you know, some of the areas right there, but I think it was by 11, we were, we were, uh, enjoying ourselves. So yeah. within two hours, we were, uh, enjoying the, the imbibing. Yeah. So I think... You know, Brandon and I had had set a pretty ambitious agenda of waking up um, and then figuring it out. <laughs> waking up was the ambitious agenda. <laughs> yeah, and, and it just jet lag. Yeah, it was just like, man, you know, you, you just go through, you go through the the time change, and it kind of just messes with you. But um, it's it was like, all right, so Dan gets in, we got to go get all that stuff. We got to buy because the, so Portugal has restrictions right now. So everything closes at 1030 at night. Yeah. So we were, we were, we were smart Joe and I know you'd be proud of us. We bought a ton of booze ahead of time. So oh, that once yes. the game was over, we could go back to uh, our friends, uh, our friend's hotel and, and do a little bit of drinking over there. So we had, we did some planning. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, just uh, described as a tactical masterclass. It is a hundred percent. We had all of the formations and all of the players in a, in a really <laughs> good spot in the fridge, Joe. And, uh, and we were, and we were ready to go. And then we went out to the, to the beer gardens and just had a blast. I mean, it, it was, it was fantastic. There were Chelsea fans who were arriving uh, all over the place. When, when Brandon and I got in on Friday, it was all City fans. I mean, they they dominated. And most of them, it turns out, didn't have a ticket um, to go to the match because we outsung them in the stadium. But uh, they were they were all over the city, and so we're like, "Holy shit!" I hope I hope some Chelsea fans are going to show up here because we were outnumbered by what ten to one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was yeah, like yeah. whoa. I want you guys to to try and describe, and I appreciate that this is actually quite difficult. But I found when I was in Munich that the the atmosphere in the in the town among Chelsea fans in the bars and stuff like that was was not something that I'd I'd experienced before. Me been to away games, I know you guys have as well, and there's a special atmosphere there. But there's something quite tangible about sort of the 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 atmosphere building, the the occasion, the the sort of the the moment in history that you're kind of about to witness. So if you can, I'd love to know sort of if you could put some some words to that sort of build up of atmosphere during the day. Obviously, I know you guys are getting on the beers and stuff like that, and and and, and kind of the 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 I suppose the the moment is kind of building. But just trying to describe that to to people who maybe don't quite get the the sort of social occasion before the game, how the nerves play into it, how the match is kind of building in your head. So just speak around that for a bit. I'd love to love to know how you guys were treating the the kind of pre match festivities. It was a weird one for me because. I was far more worried about Dan getting there, and and then and then the rest kind of was gravy for me because like I I don't think it'll 
shock anyone listening to this to know that I, I did not expect Chelsea to win this match. Uh, and so, <laughs> no. and so for, yeah, no, wow. Crazy. Uh, I, for me, I was like, look, it, it's amazing that we're here. It's amazing that we get to take it in and anything else on top of it is, is great, you know? And, and so to fight through all the logistical nightmares and, and make it, it was fen- phenomenal. And then to see, you know, all, all the pregame leading into this, that it's cities, you know, cities already won. Pep's the greatest manager of all time, yada, yada. And there, no mention of Chelsea anywhere. My brain just started ticking. It was like, all right, so all of the pressure's on them. Chelsea basically are skating into this thing. And we're out with all these fans having beers on a 72-degree day in Portugal. And every, life is good, man. And I, I felt just, I felt calm. Like, at, these two these two know that I'm like a nervous Nelly going into these things typically. I was calm and confident and the, the way it built, like we went, had beers, we went over to the crazy Chelsea section, which was insane. I mean, there were so, so many songs, so much cheering, went up to the fan fest, you know, met up with some friends up there, saw Andy Saunders from the Chelsea, which was great. And everything just kept feeling good, you know? Yeah. I think to your point about how it's different, it's different because it's like, it's a whole match for both fans in the sense of. You both like when you go to an away match. We've only been to one at Palace, right? Like it's very small. It's a small group. You're not. You don't have your stuff set up. When you go to the Champions League, right? There's you know twenty thousand for this one. You know maybe ten thousand fans of each there. But you're marching into the stadium like a cup final at Wembley type of thing. So the atmosphere is absolutely different um, because you have all these numbers. Um, you know people around you. And then the other thing was. The weather here was unbelievable, so it, it was a brilliant day out, and um, you know that just made everything better. And I think part of it is the other really interesting thing is we because we're in a different country, like we're not watching the coverage. Like we had like a, it was almost like we we're in a media blackout for a day and a half. We I don't yeah. think we saw any news until Naz broke the lineup. Nor, nor did we really, like, nor, nor did we really care because I think the other yeah. thing is like these one-off games. You can build and build and build all you want, and it doesn't really matter, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought that was like another really unique thing, especially we've all been at home in COVID, right? So it's like you, we do nothing but watch the media. Now all of a sudden, we all we did was just talked amongst, you know, talked amongst ourselves as fans saying this, that, what's going to happen. It was a, it was real system shock, I think, for everyone because this was maybe the first time that people were back in such a large groups or large gatherings. Um, I mean, you know, we think about England, we think about the Premier League, only started allowing some limited capacity back in the stadiums. You know, there's uh, the U.S. You know, back home has done it for some sports but not all of it and it's kind of getting continuing to get better and better as more vaccinations are rolled out but you know for me like this was you know a little bit initially it was just kind of being gobsmacked because like oh my gosh there's just so many people out and about and enjoying themselves and just celebrating the fact of being there and i think to nick's point most chelsea supporters the read that i had was that we were playing with house money that people didn't expect us to be there, that there was a mood, there was a lightness and a levity in the air and the way that it was approached. And I think that actually made it more fun for everybody throughout the day. And, you know, our, our single away day as a group, it, you know, 
is not necessarily as far and away day as you might hope because it's only been from Chelsea to Crystal Palace. <laughs> so it's only a different <laughs> part of London. Um, and I would not describe that as a place I want to go to away to again ever. Um, so this really was our first away day out. It was a Champions League final when we did it. And just in general, the atmosphere was you know phenomenal. The the songs, the chanting, the singing. It the was loose. Yeah. Like everyone, it felt loose. And, and I think like much like, you know, Brandon, when you played – when you play loose, you play better. When you play tight, when you, all the pressure's on, like it could sometimes get to you. And like it was just a loose day out. Like everyone was having a blast. We we were amongst friends, you know, made new friends along the way. I mean, you you can't ask for more than that, Joe. Like you you know this going to Munich, you meet people and you're just yeah. like, oh yeah, we're gonna be instantly friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh i can't remember the, what program it's from it's that meme isn't it we're about to be friends or oh, you're going to be my friend yeah it's like one of those moments that you have which is ridiculous um now i know you guys met some interesting people before the match um i think again this is kind of testament to sort of the 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 kind of day itself and, and these sort of opportunities that maybe don't come around too often so I think certainly listeners would be interested to hear about maybe some of the more interesting people. Let's let's put it in that that perspective that you guys managed to to meet before the game. Well, I, I think you might be referencing a, a one Tony Mount. Would that be the one that you're comes to mind first? <laughs> no, not, not not a bad person to meet given the uh, the outcome of the game. But yeah, what, what was uh, what was meeting Tony like? It was fantastic. You know, I mean, it's it's very clear that uh, Mason is cut from uh, the same cloth yep. of Tony Mount and. You know, we we had the luxury of meeting Mason, interviewing him previously. You know, we've had a chance to get a read on him as a person, and you know, he's fantastic. And it's very clear where he gets all of that because uh, Tony was nothing if not just class. You know, he had a few minutes before getting onto charters to head to the stadium, and just really gave us more time than I imagine he had to give on a Champions League final where he's going to watch his son play and, and hopefully and did lift the, the, the trophy. And so, yeah, it was really great to just hear when, you know, what his thoughts were about the end of the season, what he was feeling about the day. And, you know, he, he I think, actually instilled some confidence in Nick, which was good. I was already confident. Um, <laughs> I really was. Like, I, 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 I felt good. But, you know, look, I, to, to hear – from a parent, like I imagine in that scenario, Tony's probably more nervous than Mason is, right? Mm -hmm. Because Tony has no control over the outcome and Mason does, right? So uh, it was interesting to kind of hear him, you know, harken back to Mason's time with the youth team and all those different tournaments that they played in. And then, you know, how um, he's been to previous Champions League finals with, you know, obviously Chelsea not featuring and, and what those experiences were like. And then, you know, for for him to share a little bit about some, you know, some of his conversations with Mason, which we won't say aloud here, but it just it shows you how important the fabric around a person is to their success. And uh, much like Dan said, uh, you know, Brandon, the, the the fact that Tony is so calm, resolute, tough, I think uh, is is not hard to see. Uh, how Mason has developed over time. Yeah, I mean, keep it simple. Like I said, the the conversation matched a lot of what we we get from Mason, and um, you know, it was it was great to kind of get a little of the inside um, knowledge of kind of how Mason was feeling in the team, and you know, his perspective of a couple of meaty things he did. But um, yeah, I mean, no need to go on about how awesome Tony Tony Mount was in person. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. I think it's uh, yeah, as you say, quite quite a testament to him, and that on probably the 
the biggest day in his son's footballing career. Um, I think, you know, given Mason sort of the amount that he he won and played in as a as a young player, it's quite a big testament that at what twenty two years old that he's having the biggest day of his career this this soon into his into his sort of Chelsea time. And that he's given you the time to to just talk through you know what he's saying and what he's feeling as well, which is quite interesting as well. Um, any any other guys that you sort of met up with out there, people from from socials, people in the media or whatever. Um, before Terry. or after the game that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, uh, Terry. Uh, Kamatsu? Yeah, yeah. who um, probably the one of the most uh, recognizable international Chelsea supporters in the world. Um, nice as hell. Uh, this. Let's talk about this guy. First of all, he comes over and is like, he, he, pretend, he pretends that he's wowed to see us. We're wowed to see him. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like the nicest international supporter in the world. Like, this guy... He basically was in our little beer garden area, and every group of fans in that beer garden Terry! Area was. <laughs> and he was. He went over, and, he, and like he's just a tremendous guy. We, we had a nice talk about the podcast, about about the team and his experiences. I mean, he's just a phenomenal person. Shout out to you, Terry, because like I think we met you a couple of times at the bridge before. No, that was the first time we met really? him. Really? Yeah, it was the first time we met him. But he's been so nice. Yeah, he's you know, been around. Um, yeah. uh, you know, he's Japanese, and so he's uh, translated uh, occasionally when we've had some news from Matt or some you know really great things that maybe you've had to say, Joe. But like he'll translate it into Japanese and tweet it out, and you know just being able to kind of spread the the word from the pod is really cool. And I mean, like. Everyone recognized him. It was it was funny. Uh, just like how 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 quick he got put it out. I mean, obviously uh, Dimitri. You know, we've had a chance yep. to uh, engage with him before, and it was nice to kind of see him again and uh, and chat and share a beer. Um, Andy, getting to see Andy was great. Look, tight circles. There's not a lot of people. You know, in in proportion, we know a lot of people could not get to this game. So. Like I said, we had kind of our group of five, six, and, um, you know, obviously you're you're sat next to people and things like that, and so you become friendly. But, I mean, uh, we saw Olivia uh, Buzaglo the night before as well, and then after the match. But, um, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty much just us. You know, a small group is easier to manage, though, too, which was, yeah, which was nice. Especially when uh, focusing on logistics of, of trains and cars and, all you know, all the things that you need to do to get to a match. I'm done with travel logistics. I am done. <laughs> yeah, look, if it's not a direct flight and an Uber doesn't pick me up right outside of the gate, no thanks. I want you to try and explain to people the the process of, of being there for the day and how the build-up goes because I think it's nice that you guys mentioned that there was almost kind of a, a media blackout because social media leading up to the game, it was 99% Manchester City-oriented. Um, Chelsea were just sort of there to, to take part in in picking up the the, the sort of runners-up medals. Um, and it seemed to be for those that weren't there that people were doing like, you know, extensive domestic chores. You know, my dad texted me that he was willingly going shopping with my mum for the first time in about 50 <laughs> years. You know, there was there was a huge kind of attempt to sort of cast your mind away from the game. And I think probably it was different for you guys being there, that it was probably more a, a sense of excitement building up to, to, to the match rather than sort of putting off thinking about it and watching the, the time go by. So... You know, uh, uh, Dan's turned up. You guys have been there for a few hours now. What is the, what are the emotions like, and what is the, the experience like of waiting to to sort of make your way to the stadium? Is it is it pleasant? Is it nerves? What what's what sort of was going for your guys' brains as you as we're coming up to to the point where you're going to the stadium? Yesterday was a top three day of my life, and that was wow. and, it, and it would have been a top five day of my life even if we didn't win. Like it was a tremendous day out. 
The weather was beautiful. The people were awesome. The beers were flowing. It was a tremendous day. Like there, as we got closer, like our, our buddy Jason, who we were with, was stressing all day. Just a bottle of, like he was just nerves and nerves and nerves. And I was like, man, like, you know, we're either going to win or we're going to lose. Like at this point, you know, we're here and we're going to take it in. And like, it was, I was oddly calm about the whole thing, but I like, Again, it was more about the people that you're with always when you travel, right? I mean, that's the the game. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think that there there were so many like you know, the hardest thing to kind of come by occasionally at times was a beer because all of these <laughs> cafes were just so overrun, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, th- this country and this, you know, the city have, you know, been on lockdown for a period of time and so it might be kind of just like a, a staffing or kind of like opening back up measure, but getting to the point of being able to accommodate this massive influx of uh, supporters from both sides and, you know, being able to, to serve. But, you know, there, there are things like, um, you know, every 20, 30 seconds, people were bursting into song. The Timo Werner song, oh. everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. Double, double, double. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. I mean, you know, you it, all you needed was like a 15 to 20 second gap and someone would bring in a new song or a new song. <laughs> and it, it was just phenomenal. It, it, like, it left you feeling light. It left you feeling full of energy. And I would say... I don't think there was nerves. I think people were just there was an excitement and a readiness for kickoff. And I think, yeah, I actually think Brandon, like that's that that kind of is just maybe how Tuchel's instilled a little bit of confidence in the supporters beforehand that probably left us that way too. I I was yeah I was more like our friend Jason. I was a lot more nervous and just like you know running through all the snares in in my head and trying to figure out. It's like you know obviously we kind of limped into this game, but we also talked about how I felt like. I I had made a guess that the Chelsea players weren't playing at 100% the second we beat Madrid because they were not going to get hurt or maybe have low fitness levels for this type of a match and and you just never I don't know like it's just it was the it's the biggest match we've ever been to by far in our life and you know there's just so much writing on it you just hope for the most but yeah I was definitely uh wound up a little bit a little bit tighter I'd say the beer now, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I, I could tell certainly at like four in the morning that they had helped a fair <laughs> bit. Um, so let's let's move it to the stadium now. So Porto Stadium, lovely, lovely location, beautiful place. Um, I'm curious, was it tricky getting in there? I'm just trying to think of the sort of, sort of the the kind of COVID restrictions. Was it a little bit more tricky than than you've been used to in the past in terms of getting in, or was it okay? It was easy. I mean, there was no because uh, the you don't have. Yeah, you had to have a negative test. Yeah, so you had to have your wristband. Yeah. But I mean, as long as you just, you'd already gotten your ticket, so ID was checked. As long as you were wearing a mask, because they actually have a policy you're supposed to wear your mask all the time, you just, we really just walked in. And then we got there early. They'd recommend getting there three hours early, but that was only if you needed a COVID test. So they were supplying them on site, which I appreciate because they were doing everything they could. They had COVID tests set up down in the city center as well. They were doing everything they could to make sure people could get in. And I thought that was awesome. So we got there an hour and a half before kickoff. Roughly yeah, two hours before, yeah, and we all the Chelsea fans took the metro. All mm-hmm. the City fans took buses to yep. avoid uh, shenanigans. I think smart. Um, <laughs> it was definitely smart, and so we all it was a it was a big Chelsea walk up into the stadium, and then yeah, you just had to show your about a you ten know. minute walk maybe from the station. Yeah, it was, it was a little hoof. It was a little hoof, but the neighborhood around it was sick. It was gorgeous. Yeah, the, the walk up 
to it, you know, you we probably walked what maybe a mile from the station to mm-hmm. the stadium, and so you're you're walking through what ultimately actually is a very residential neighborhood with these gorgeous, you know, homes. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, really, just a beautiful area. Um, and you know, you eventually just stumble on the stadium, like at this top of this hill, and it just is, you know. Picturesque and like the day was beautiful. Like it was the the bluest sky. It was the crispest air, like that you could breathe in. There was no clouds in the sky. It, it was just it was perfect. It was the perfect day for a match, not just to be a Champions League final, but like any day I would have loved to have that type of day for football. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, once you get there and it was it was a breeze getting in. I, I honestly think we were one of the first kind of fans to get in as well. So like. We got our beers and our sandwiches and our waters, you know, without a wait in line. The the, the frozen sandwiches. Okay, yeah, the food was just a little horrific. bit of ice in the middle. <laughs> the, Con- the concessions need some work. Uh, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, unfortunately, Nick went to get like, even just waters at halftime, and they went down to one pay machine, and the, he missed oh. about ten minutes. I don't. I think. I think you missed the entire KDB situation. That's I did. How, that's how long yeah. you were gone. Luckily, that took about seven minutes, and I was able to get yeah. back in for most of the second half. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it was a it was a breeze to get in. Like I said, I mean, you just there weren't the the typical cues right as the match was kicking off, and we got there in plenty of time beforehand. So, um, like Portugal did a, a fantastic job hosting. Did the did the magnitude of of what you were about to to witness a European Cup final? Did that hit you? When you walked out and saw the pitch for the first time, I found that I'd been to the Allianz before um, in Munich, just on a, a state uh, like a stadium tour type thing, and it, you know it's a beautiful ground, but it was a, a completely different sense. You know, you, you've you've had all of the hassle of getting there. You know, you're doing it in a pandemic. Everything has been done. You've ticked every box. But at what point did the sort of the magnitude of the the occasion, the the sense of of this could be a, a very historic moment in in Chelsea's you know, sort of club history. What 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 point did you guys feel the weight of that sort of uh, hit you? I'm, I'm curious. I would say it wasn't until the Champions League anthem was played, oh, which was chills, goosebumps, man. yeah, crazy. Cool. And you know, they've got obviously the you know pyrotechnics involved too on the pitch and from the rafters, <laughs> and they're you know cascading down, you know, like little uh, fireflies, and it it really just you know, led up to this absolute massive crescendo of emotion where you're like, that's when it's sunk in. You know, you're riding the high of the day, you're riding the high of a little bit of buzz from the super box, and you're now getting to a point where you're settled in, you're in your seat, you've listened to the anthem, and you're like, oh, we are about to play 90 minutes now for the biggest trophy. And okay, now now it's hitting me, Nick. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm breaking it a little bit. Um, I, I think the... The anthem was far more powerful than I envisioned it being. Even with the city fans booing? Yeah, the yeah. entire t- I was like, what the hell is that all about? Uh, but it was, it was, Brandon did the funniest Instagram story I've ever seen him do right after that. In the smoke-filled stadium after all the pyrotechnics go. Would you like to rehash? I don't really remember, honestly. I put out a lot of content last night. A lot of things a, happened. A couple of F-bombs were dropped. Can uh, you can you fucking believe that we're in this fucking game? <laughs> well, but, but the, uh, the buildup was really interesting because you know they, you know everything was city first in this whole experience, right? Yeah. Because it was city's game to win. It was city's name. Was well, they were technically the, the home team. They were, yeah. but I yeah. mean, so they 
they played Blue Moon um, before kickoff, right? And they also played Blue is the Color and like so to amp up, but you know, we followed after. Blue Moon was the loudest the city fans were the entire game. And so if you were watching at home, of course it didn't sound like City were there because they were only up for it before the game started. Yeah, if, if you were listening at home, Joe, I'm sure you heard a lot of Chelsea chants, and that's because we were loud. Yeah, t- to be honest, I, th- I think I said this to you guys last night. I'm not sure if, if you remember, but it... it <laughs> I do. Literally, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't sound like the City fans were there, and, and that's not me being disrespectful or taking a, a kind of a pot shot, but they were, I think, largely incredibly quiet. Um, you know, and I, I think I saw some clips of Joe Cole after the game saying that he could... He could sort of sense that the Chelsea fans are up for this from sort of the first minute and the atmosphere that they were kind of driving the team on. And I know sort of Tuchel has, has sort of said very similar. So to be part of of not only, you know, a obviously the, the win kind of is the cherry on, on top there, but to be part of that kind of atmosphere with such a, a very small group of, of fans in the stadium, that must have felt incredible at times. Yeah, I think so. Our seats, we were right. It was like we were right on the edge of City and Chelsea fans. By the way, no stewards. So uh, straight lines of eyesight and uh, hearing what they had to say and what they were doing. And, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans giving it right back to them. But to that point, it was kind of hard. Like, so we definitely heard the City fans. Yeah. But we didn't realize that that was it. And then the other thing was we were, you know, kind of around the corner from where a lot of the Chelsea fans were. So it was a little bit of a delay of it getting to us as well. So in the moment, we had no idea if it was going well or not, like from a, from a, a you know, whatever, like a, a sound standpoint. But it was great to hear afterwards because I, I, we can confirm we yelled the entire match. I mean, we willed that team to do uh, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, some of our voices, uh, <laughs> particularly one individual here speaking, uh, absolutely wrecked. And uh, thankfully, Nick had some cough drops because this morning was really tough. Oh, man. We, uh, we were fast forward to us leaving the stadium <clears throat> completely and utterly exhausted. Shattered. I, yeah. just, and we were... We were walking, Joe. I was just laughing the entire time because I just describe, like describe that feeling, Nick. Is because that to me, like when you've won the game and you've celebrated, and then you're leaving the stadium, you're kind of part floating because it's sort of this unbelievable achievement. But then you have this massive dump of of like emotional energy, and then you just sort of feel absolutely exhausted. So it's like this weird feeling of, of feeling like you could float across the harbor. But equally, I need to sleep for sort of 48 hours here. Try and describe that that moment of leaving the, the stadium and heading back to you, to you guys' hotel. I, I said one word, and I, I hold it to, to this moment. I said the word preposterous. Like, and, and, and in context for us, obviously, you heard our journey to get here. But then also, yeah. just look, just because we showed up doesn't mean that we're going to go home with this thing, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's one of those moments that is, is just preposterous in my brain that we actually made it that Chelsea played one of their best games of the season and thoroughly deserved to beat Manchester city on the day. And the, and you know, that you beat city three times in six weeks and, and that we're here to see Cesar Spilicreta and Diago Silva and Mason Mount lift the champions league trophy is uh, it's a dream come true. It, it, it honestly, I was just, I was just giggling to myself on the way home because it's just, I never in a million years did we think we were going to be here. Never in a million years. There's a couple of things that I want to touch on. Um, first of all, in the first half, there, Antonio Rudiger 
made a tackle or a block or whatever you want to call it on Phil Foden. What was your guy's angle on that? And, and did you see that at least in terms of the, the quality of the of the tackle? And what was the sort of reaction in the stadium? Because that, that felt like a real kind of momentum shifter for Chelsea. So we were sat um, just behind the city bench, but closer to the goal. So pretty much right on top of the 18-yard box. So that happened at the other end. Um, but again, we're like in the 12th row. So you you see everything. And again, there's not a lot of people. So you you, you could tell. And again, seeing Foden slip through and, and, and I don't even remember who squared it to him, him coming across and he made contact right after Timo had whiffed his almost identical uh, opportunity. And you're just, you just this huge release because you're like, we got away with one. You know, then you immediately are cheering that Rudiger on for making such a big play. So it's like a very quick, you know, um, reaction to it. But yeah, no, we we definitely saw how good of a chance that was, even if we were 75 yards away. These games, you, know, you think back to 2012, these are games of, of inches, right? And you think about some of the blocks that Cahill and David Luiz and Ashley Cole made and and in that game and you can you can map that straight to what Rudiger did here mm-hmm. and Cesar Spilicueta did and you know Thiago Silva before he went out you know throwing in blocks and just being resolute there there are a lot of similarities between these moments and you know to see Foden who is a tremendous player to take nothing away from him in on goal that early in the game uh, you know that's a tough moment, Dan. Like it's a and and to see just the immense effort that Rudiger put in to get a toe in, crazy. Oh, it's 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 amazing to see his return into the starting lineup under Tuchel. Right, he was not a favorite of, of Frank's. It has been amazing to watch him become so integral in that defense, and I think really. Not that he ever, I think, fell out of favor with Chelsea supporters, because I mean, I think we all we all love a little bit of uh, you know individuals who can you know uh, puff up the chest and be boastful. You know, every, all of us love a little hashtag hustle in our lives, mm-hmm. and you know he he delivered, and he's been I think a really excellent contributor. I don't love the speculative uh, thirty yard shots from him, but you know if he minimizes that i'm i'm super happy with what he contributes it's it's one of those things too joe that like before the game when i was trying to like instill confidence in the boys here i was like i i not not all the boys instill confidence (laughs) instill yourself in the mirror (laughs) dan was already there the others weren't so what, what i was trying to say is like i just hope that they come out aggressive and that they don't wait for something to happen to them you know like because i think that's the worst thing you can do in a championship game it doesn't mean play reckless it just means that you are coming out and you're swinging, right? Because that's the only way you're going to beat City. Like they have to understand that you can hurt them. Yeah. For them not to just dominate the ball, dominate the game, as we've yeah. seen them do a thousand different times, right? So that was my hope, and it was nice to see that we came out and started swinging right away. All right, guys, it's your editor Jake here. We got to jump to the ads here. The guys got pretty hyped about the new trophy in the cabinet. Got a little caught up talking with our man Joe Tweeds. So it's my job to thank the sponsors. And tell you to enjoy the beats. Thanks for all the love, guys. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, 
Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, <clears throat> really hope that's us, and access to our community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. Come hang out with us. We love Blue Wire. You won't be disappointed. Okay, so th- this is the moment that I think people want to know about. The ball arrives at Mason Mount's feet. He <sighs> turns. I'm sure from your guy's position, you can probably see the space. You can see the run. Take me through Mount receiving the ball and then the pandemonium that happened thereafter. Uh, it, so, yeah, so that play came at us. So that was a weird thing to see them like running at us. And it all happened quick because I think there was a turnover in midfield. We tackled it back. They released it to Mason. Chill well to Mason. He had his head up, you know, thankfully. And he just split the center backs of that ball. And then all of a sudden, we see this flash of pink come out of the right corner of our eye. Ederson came flying out. And he got his touch. And I kid you not, everyone in this stadium, when Kai hit that ball towards the goal, we all just stopped and waited. Froze. Like, we waited until that ball hit the back of the net until we celebrated because there was no chance we were going to mess that one up. And I, ble- I, I I will say, the thing about being in the stadium and being at the position we were at, and I think maybe there was a disagreement about how quickly we should celebrate it, I, I had no – there was no – issue in my mind i knew that goal was 100 percent. there was no offside issue that no was 100 good there was no var worry i think a few people afterwards were like oh, i didn't want to celebrate until afterwards i'm like we were sitting directly oh, yeah. on the line like no, we're we good this is perfectly fine no we, we definitely celebrated immediately i mean i didn't even think about var I didn't think about refereeing or anything it was just like it went in the back of the net and we celebrated and um it, it was it was just absolute pandemonium and chaos watching in the, in the kai's footwork that close up was really impressive, you know, because I, I think we, we haven't seen a lot of these players in person, right? The last time we were at a Chelsea game was 2019, yeah. and getting to watch him play and I'm getting to watch a couple of these players in first time in the flesh, watching Kai's footwork. I think that's another thing that you just miss out on when you're watching on the broadcast. Yeah. I think it's just how delicate the movement is, the ability <sighs> to maintain balance, move forward, place his foot through the ball. Put it past Ederson. Ederson getting a little bit to it, but not enough to really make the difference. And, you know, the superior effort prevailed. Joe, Kai was on one yesterday, man. I, like, it was it was so impressive to see. I mean, not only to stretch to reach the ball that Mason put for because it was, it was just that it, it hit a little bit too hard, but he, but he caught up to it, right? He stayed on his feet, even though Ederson came out and I think handled the ball outside of the box uh, after replay. Um, and, and stayed on his feet and scored. But then some of the back heel flicks, some of the interchange you know, with N'Golo or with Christian or with, or with Timo or whatever, it, he, he looked like a man possessed yesterday. And that was a different side than we've seen of him this year. 
uh, for a lot of different reasons. But to, but to have it in the biggest games, have a finisher uh, do the thing that we've lacked a lot this year, and that's you know composed yeah. um, uh, composure and, and finishing is is amazing. So it was it was super impressive to see him. Oh yeah, because Timo should have scored by then already too. So you know to to get one so close to halftime. I mean, there, there's literally nothing better. I want to uh, touch on one of the players that Nick just mentioned there. Um, I, I'm often a big believer, certainly when it comes to any sport, that to really appreciate top players, sometimes you have to go and watch them. You have to see what makes them special. And Nick mentioned Angolo Kante there. And I want to know from, from inside the stadium, when you're watching him in person, in the flesh, when you see him do the things he does, cover the ground he does, have the most impeccable sense of timing when it comes to any defensive action. What what was that like for you guys to see that kind of performance in the flesh? For me, possibly when I'm talk- I'm thinking about now big sort of Chelsea individual performances, that that is maybe in the top five, maybe top three all time performances from a Chelsea player. Yeah. I want to know what kind of how do you, how do you express that to someone when you're seeing it live and in person compared to maybe seeing him on the television? What what is the major difference that you guys have seen there? And, and how how was that performance for you in general? It's it's amazing because you 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 actually feel like he is replicating himself in multiple locations <laughs> across the pitch because of how deft his movement is and his ability to intercept, to catch up, to knock a ball out of position, to put just the slightest of touches, to play someone off, or to disrupt any type of sustained play. I mean, we think about this match really was, you know, outside of those first couple minutes for City, they were not really a threat until the 75th, 80th minute when they were trying to push again at the end. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a gap of time where N'Golo Conte just sucked up anything that was Manchester City attempting to play football and said, no, nah, dog, that ain't happening today. Nah, <laughs> I'm shutting it down. That's going to be a no for me, dog. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, look, he is simply the best footballer I've ever seen live. And I think that includes Eden Hazard. And I know that's going to seem weird to people, but I just don't understand how he does what he does. Like it, it kind of beggars belief at times that like, you know, there, there was a moment where Chilwell had pushed, Mares inside and Mares is always trying to get on his left foot, but Chilwell's pushing him there on purpose because he wants him to go towards Ngolo. And you know, Mares actually has an angle to shoot, and Ngolo just robot foots the ball out and the, and we go on a break <laughs> and almost score. And if you're if you're Mares there and you've done everything you can to escape one player and maybe a Jorginho miss tackle or whatever. And then you get to Angola and you're like, well, fuck. I mean, like, <laughs> like, that's that's what I imagine every City player saying yesterday. Well, fuck. I mean, like, what else can I do? Like, you know, and, and I know that Foden said that in his, his pre-match uh, interview, which is that he's the toughest player he's ever played against. But he is the, – the fact that he is now getting the recognition almost as if players haven't – or people haven't watched him before – getting recognition for being what I believe he is at this point in time, which is the best player in Europe and and one of the best players in the world is long overdue recognition. Everyone at Chelsea knows how fucking good he is. He is simply my favorite player and there's nothing anyone's going to take away from that. 
Almost scored a header at the back post. It would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. When you look at his like actions, Matt, there's like all these defensive actions and then there's just this one little pink blip of a header <laughs> in the uh, in the opposition area, which which made me laugh this morning. Um, I think in terms of the timing of the goal, just before halftime, obviously, absolutely perfect. At halftime, what was the what was the feeling in sort of the Chelsea end and, and between you guys as well? Because again, you know, I found certainly watching from home that the you know WhatsApp and whatever wasn't particularly active because I think people were like afraid to disturb the force, you know, to to, to send to <laughs> send that confident yeah. text to the parent, you know. So what what was the what was the atmosphere like in, in the stadium and how were you guys feeling at, at halftime? I think there was a little bit of collective uh, clenching that was occurring and. <laughs> You know, not not surprising because we we've seen at points this season that you know we we can be got at and just, you know a fluky goal and and VAR and officiating could all have and it, and it's still City at the end of the day yeah, that's still an exceptional it, it's team. It's still yeah. one of the best teams in Europe. Uh, again, not the best, but one of the best teams. And um, look, I think anything can happen, and there was just a. I think a desire to not have anything fluky happen in the 45 minutes to follow. Like, I think we all felt, and you know, th- this is the way I think most supporters feel, is that this team is very hard to score against. This Chelsea side that, you know, Frank started and Tuchel inherited and, and continued to evolve and, you know, execute with is hard to score against. Mm-hmm. And if you are hard to score against, you make it really difficult for the other team. And so if we can convert one, like my, my my prediction pre match was that we were going to win one nothing. Yep, and it it's, came true. It's a credit to you. I mean, like we were saying, like I, I was saying this before, like, and I think most people felt this way because of the way that we played so far this year, right? If you can every ten minutes instill a little bit more doubt, a little bit more doubt, keep them scoreless, keep them frustrated. Every ten minutes gets harder. Yeah, and when you go up one nil, now. City's job is doubly hard because they're going to have to score two to win. Yeah. Right. And so that goal is crucial for that because the momentum is clearly on our side. We we were by far the better team in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we we could have had a couple, to be frank. Um, I think there's a couple of opportunities there to, to really get in. And their defense was, was pretty wide open because they didn't have a holding midfielders. There was not a whole lot of protection. So our counterattack was there to be – to, to have them all day. Like I looked at the guys in the stadium. And I was like, they're there to be had like this. This is not an invincible. Team. Well, they, they, the thing that happened with city is that city's enemy was no longer Chelsea city's enemy was the clock. It's the same thing in, in football. Like when you're down at a certain point, you, you know that you only have so many more opportunities that you're going to be able to use to put together a, a shot or, you know, get a chance to score. And if you don't take those every minute that you lose is actually more important like so, you need to regain possession and get opportunities. And like they, we weren't eliminating. Yeah, we there were no opportunities to be had, Brandon. Like if we we are great at snuffing out opportunities. Yeah, look, that that we we felt I think confident at halftime, but it's still like a wreck. Because now you're like, can we do this for another forty five minutes? And to remind everyone where we're sitting, we are now watching our goal. <laughs> So we were forced to sit and watch every single Chelsea attack come right into us and, and you know, hope that nothing happened. So we were, Jason and I were definitely sitting there at halftime, pretty, pretty nervous. And uh, we got a scarf and 
I've just been like, I was clenching it the whole time. But it's, I think, again, you're realizing, oh my God, we're 45 minutes away from winning the Champions League. Well, the the goal celebrations too, like to go back to that, Dan got video of our goal celebrations. And I mean, the it's it was fucking limbs in there. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was it was like for a team that has struggled to score goals to see us have a goal in the Champions League final, people were like, "All right, well, all right, that's it. <laughs> we did it. We got one. Woo!" You know, like big release. Yeah, massive. <laughs> okay, so we're moving into the second half now. I'm sure at this point. You know, you're looking at the clock, you're feeling like six hours have gone by and it's actually 45 seconds. Time is moving slower than it ever has before. One one incident I want to talk about before looking at sort of the latter part of the half, but did you guys see the the Rudiger, Kevin De Bruyne incident and and did it did it seem that much in person? Because I, I must admit, when I watched it on TV, I felt Rudiger was playing up a bit, but I didn't know that, that De Bruyne was actually as, as hurt as he was. Um, but I, I don't know if you saw the incident. And, and again, in terms of the, the the atmosphere in the stadium, was was there anything around that that you think kind of drove the team on when De Bruyne went off? It, well, it happened pretty close to where we were. So, you know, obviously right around half, but, you know, probably 25, 30 yards away. Um, Rudiger totally made a meal of it because he probably knew he was going to get cautioned. Um, you could tell he was fine. Um, but then, like, De Bruyne didn't get up. And, like... I don't think people were like really f- freaking out. Kyle Walker at one point pointed to underneath his eye to kind of say what had happened. Yeah. But like, yeah, like De Bruyne kept, he kept like squirming, I'd say on the ground, rolling over. And you're like, I don't think he's comfortable. And then we remember like, oh, Ruder's got that mask if they hit heads. Like, I wonder if something happened. Again, I've not seen the replay if he caught an arm or what, but you know, hearing that he fractured his nose in his orbital socket or whatever is in his cheekbone. I am shocked that that happened. I mean, to be fair, it happened instantly, but yeah. it, 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 well, and then I didn't realize they, su- they subbed them immediately. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. So, like, it all kind of like went from no big deal to, okay, big changes. Well, and they subbed him, and so Rudiger was off the pitch, and there was they a sent- free kick for City, and they weren't letting him go back on yeah. before the free kick, which was another issue, too. And just it, it was a really weird instance, and I think the other thing that's like you're you're one, you're hoping De Bruyne isn't seriously injured, and so you know I think uh, all the Chelsea fans when he got up were applauding and you know making sure that you know he kind of knew we were happy that he you know got up and, and was doing you know was able to walk off the pitch in his own power, um, but I think we're also looking at the clock like. How much fucking extra time yeah. is going to be in this game now? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I was ready for ninety minutes, maybe ninety plus two, but now it's like ninety plus six, ninety plus seven. Yeah, yeah. and well, I, w- I would say to clarify real quick, the Chelsea fans were absolute class when De Bruyne got taken yeah. off. When Thiago Silva had to come off injured, the City fans were absolute scum and like just celebrating his injury again. It could be because we were right on the edge and we got that. There could have been City fans that were much more appreciative and respectful, but the ones that we had, and I think. To be fair, it's kind of because you're in an alley, right? You're on the border, so it's a little bit more gross between our two sides. But yeah, that sucked to see. So Rudiger's adamantium face mask <laughs> takes takes the pointer out of the game. Um, should we? Do we think that Rudiger should always wear it? Because I just think it adds like an extra edge. I think so. Yeah, it adds to his mystique. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All he needs it's is like a fucking a cape. Check now. When he wore the, the helmet, you know, he, I don't think he really needed to wear it towards the end of his career. 
but it kind of gave him that sort of mystique of it's checked with the helmet on. Yeah. Maybe Rudiger with, with the face mask is the new thing. Yeah, Petter said it just became superstitious for him. He just, he felt safe wearing it, so he just always did. Now, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to sort of sum this up or, or even sort of capture any of the emotion that was felt last night, but let's say from about 75 minutes onward, it became not not like the full Alamo, but like a, a near Alamo situation where City were pretty much camped inside Chelsea's half. Um, I know from, from watching at home that, that time seemed to just not really be progressing. At times felt like it was standing still. How, how long did it feel to get to 90 minutes? Um, and what was that, that period before you saw the 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 referee or the the whatever you call them the the fourth official put up the 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 subsequent with seven minutes on so I want to try and try and capture that emotion getting up to ninety minutes because it was such an incredible defensive effort you know City had a few little moments in there as well maybe I'd love to hear what one of you guys thoughts on the, on that Mares chance um, sort of at the death was as well but what what was that sort of twenty minutes from like seventy minutes onwards how how did that make you guys feel how can you try and capture that for, for fans who are listening? Yeah, so it was made longer by the fact that Christian Pulisic did not finish a very easy chance. And uh, I think it's only fair if I criticize Timo Werner for missing easy chances that I, I do the same for Christian Pulisic. Um, it, if we go up 2-0, the game's over. Right, and it's it's clearly over with the way that because then City have to score three against a team that let in four in the entire tournament in yeah. in fifteen minutes, right? So it's over. Um, so that was a huge bummer, and I think contributed to our nervousness because uh, you know we, Chelsea had counterattack opportunities all day, all day they were there for us, and especially when Kai was able to wiggle free of some pressure down the other side, it was like two on two situations and Pulisic and, ha- and Kai running at those players, even Ruben Diaz, who is an outstanding defender and looks the business, you know, we saw him in warmups. <laughs> he's a, he's a big guy. Uh, and, and it makes sense that he's, he's player of the year, but it, that all set up. The, re- the reason I brought that up, fellas, is like that set up what was the most nervous 15 minutes of our lives. Yeah, I mean, we were under assault. Um, you were seeing some of the the pace being unlocked from from Foden and Mares. They were finding some space finally. Uh, obviously, Aguero comes on, which was this moment of, oh, of course, the player who is now about to leave City, this historic member of their club, you know, might be the one to come on. The narrative shift, maybe. And before the fourth official put up the board, we saw Pep throwing up the seven fingers. And we're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. He's throwing up seven because there's going to be seven added minutes. Um, And you're now calculating that in your head. Like, well, uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to kind of situate ourselves? And this was the period of time where City were getting the ball. They were getting an opportunity. uh, Massive plays by uh, Champions League winner uh, and Chelsea club captain uh, Cesar Azpilicueta with a massive, massive block. You know, as good as denying a goal. Um, Mendy... With another amazing save, uh, you know, Champions League winner uh, Edouard Mendy, mm. and look, I, I think everyone coalesced, and like this, I think to to me, Brandon, you know, shows the value of the team, right? Like this was a like yes, Angola Conte, I think, is the, the man of the match. Probably had one of the best Chelsea player individual player performances of all time, but this was everyone on the team 
knowing what their role was and executing it, you know, almost flawlessly, uh, which is, you know, again, really, really just incredible. Yeah, I mean, power of Tuchel's system and how he's gotten the team organized. So, you know, we saw the left side near us, right? So the amount of running that Mason and Ben Chilwell did was unbelievable. I mean, Chilwell's absolutely knackered. He, he cramped, I think, a couple times, probably within 10 minutes before the seven minutes of stoppage. So he he was, he'd was put an absolute shift. Um, but, yeah, just watching this team, you Battle. know, sit and wait for you know man city to get close enough to start the press and then to see kind of the players to dance point they you know knew exactly where they're going Chilwell, it didn't matter if it was the wing back walker or if it was mares when the ball went to the channel he engaged and everyone fell in behind mm-hmm. and it's the same thing when when a midfielder broke into the middle you know everyone knew who was step was stepping it was it was good so um, the, the clock stood still, time stood still. It seemed like City had unlimited time to, to, you know, come at us. But we finally got there into the end to the 90th minute. And then, so in the stadium, they don't, the clock is done. Once it hits 90, the clock is done moving. Thankfully, Jason Nexus had started his watch. So we had some kind of an idea of how much stoppage time we'd been through, you know, because we usually obviously see it on the TV. So that was another added element of not knowing really how much time had gone. And, you know, City would get a corner kick or they would get this. And you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, how many more chances are they going to get? Then we all found out that, hey, about six minutes had gone. So then we just started, like, whistling and jeering at the referee to blow the whistle. Just (laughs) blow it, blow it. And then, like, the Chelsea fans once again using their voices to will something to happen. (laughs) And Yeah, and then I think I didn't even hear the whistle. No. But I saw the arms go up on the field. And then we lost it. Yeah. Oh my God! Pandemonium. I like. It, it. Describe that moment when you, you know, as as we've kind of looked into, you guys made an absolutely <laughs> hell of a trip to get there. We've we've played an, an unbelievable performance. You've just gone through seven minutes of of stoppage time, which must have felt like another half an hour. To see that reaction from the players, to hear the whistle, what 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 are you guys feeling then, and what is the the atmosphere of people around you? I mean, it was. It was limbs and just hugging everyone around us. And, you know, I think for, for the three of us, getting a chance to have our little uh, our little JT, Frank, and Didier moment uh, was, was really special. Um, it, it was, yeah, man, like, I was speechless, I, I, which I'm very rarely in life. This is true. But I just sat there and I, I just couldn't fucking believe it. I, I, like, I couldn't believe... The sequence of events that led us there and everything that happened over the last week and the poor performance we had against Villa and all of the lead in and all the travel and everything. And we were not only there, but that we won the thing. Again, it's preposterous. Why not us? Why not us came to its, uh, <laughs> you know, its logical conclusion. If he, uh, it was us, as our friend Andrew was saying. Um, I, I, it was just so much joy and it was such a special moment and i think you know you're you're kind of have have a, have a camera out and you're kind of recording and you're you're hoping that it's kind of stable but you're really not paying attention to the fact it's recording you just want to grab a little for poster- posterity's sake and yeah i i think it was just you get this extra rush of excitement you get the 
the joy of everybody chanting and and cheering and it's the next point the 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 hugging the strangers you don't know a, a member of the a family in a community that you're bonded with by a love of this crazy thing and influence in your life that is Chelsea Football Club and I think to the point you've said before Joe chaos and trophies uh, came true in a climactic moment there and you know I know Brandon, you know, you probably felt, uh, you know, similar in some ways. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add is it, it, it all happened very quickly. And I don't know, it's probably a credit to UEFA, but that Chelsea Champions stage banner was out on the pitch immediately. Oh, my gosh. So, all of a sudden, you're like, you kind of had to, like, process it quick because, like, the, the metal step. And, again, like, City didn't walk, right? You know, I remember when it, when Chelsea won it in 2012. It, it had to take at least 30 minutes for Chelsea to get up to their medals in the balcony and things like that. In this COVID world, it was weird because City just got their medals. There's no, there's nothing yeah. to present for them. And then next thing we knew, Chelsea had their medals and we were, we had all then pushed towards the front of the stadium so we could get a better view. And then, you know, Dave was lifting the trophy and that, and obviously then we, you know, it all really, really kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> Yeah, they started playing all the Chelsea songs in the stadium. Queen, we are the champions. Yeah, they they did one step beyond, which got everyone just, oh, yeah, melee that, in there. That is a moment. That is a moment. Ha, ha, I say again for for people that that maybe have absolutely no idea what we're talking about here. I want to, yeah, just just talk talk the through one step beyond and, and kind of the the sort of the reaction that it provokes in Chelsea fans. Oh. I mean, it's it's. Have you ever been to a mosh pit before? Because because <laughs> it's it kind of like people are just throwing their arms up, they're dancing. It is like a joyful elbows to knees. It's you know? a joyful song. It's fast paced. There's high tempo to it, and it is, you know, it is. It's the yeah, like it's 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 a song that you don't hear a whole lot at the bridge if you've been, but I think. Because the liquidator is so popular, maybe this is an underrated part of our song ecosystem. But we heard it at the at the fan fest yesterday, and it induced the same reaction. Yeah, and it's just it's that ultimate song, Joe, as you know, as you well yeah. know, having having been a season ticket holder, that just evokes a different kind of emotion. The best way to describe it is like you have that you know break glass in case of epic moment kind of button <laughs> and when something insane happens at Chelsea that that tends to be the anthem that they play at the end of the game you know thinking back parallels to 2012 you're talking about the the Napoli game you know that that was one where that got played after and it, it's really kind of um like monumental massive emotional kind of wins for Chelsea that that tends to be associated with so yeah for, for people that that want to get a glimpse into that the Playing that, particularly at the end of winning, winning a European Cup, is special because I think, as Nick and the guys are saying, it basically provokes a mosh pit of, of pure joy amongst Chelsea fans in the end. And it's it's one of those special moments. It's from a band called Madness. You know, the Suggs is a is a Chelsea icon in terms of, of, of sort of the music world, and that having that song from a Chelsea man kind of associated with Chelsea and those epic moments. It it, it really is. I think, as the guys are saying, it's not something that happens at the end of every game. It's not something that happens regularly, but it's sort of reserved for special occasions, you know, break glass just in case. Um, and yeah, it was awesome that you guys got to be in that last night because it looked, when, when uh, you know, they were showing the scenes after the game, it looked like the end was absolutely, that, that they just lost it at that point, the fans. There was just pure joy, pure yeah. pandemonium. Yeah. And just insane, yeah. 
I, I mean that, and that that was it too, right? And to to like see all the players celebrating and their families and everything like that. Um, you, you we caught our second wind, you know. Yeah. After like, oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah. And I speak from, speaking as someone who had not slept for a, a, many many hours. Um, I mean, the, the, the boost of getting here was great. The getting to the stadium was another boost. Um, but then the, the goal was absolutely another shot of adrenaline, but winning, winning the whole damn thing as we should was, I mean, it was hard to go, go to sleep last night. Um, and this is after, you know, uh, enjoying some beverages and, you know, a lack of sleep because of travel and time zone changes. And I just, I could not fall asleep. No, no, I was just on Twitter until four. But in the, in, <laughs> in the stadium, I, I will say the, we hung around for, for the entire trophy presentation until, until Espilicueta took it back into the locker room. And there are a couple of things that stood out to me. The first is the Silva family are proper fucking shells. They are in it to win it. And the fact that he had to come off and to see them embrace after for, you know, for him to be so close to it last year and to get it this year, that was, that was clutch. I and mean, he came over and did some TV and it was just, Oh, Tiago Silva for like five minutes. It was, you know, he, he definitely appreciated that. Well, and then a, uh, we want you to stay. We want uh, you yeah, to stay. Yeah, Tiago yeah. Silva, we want you to stay. And of course, you Check know. Check that box. And, yeah. and then the and then the other one that I wanted to point out from a family perspective is the Mendy clan. These are trees. I, the All of these guys are <laughs> huge. And like, they're all wearing big 16s. It's not hard to spot them. Like, they got up on the stage too and you're like, my God, you guys are all six three and up, and it's a forest length. in the middle of the just, Oh my God, it was crazy, and they're all wearing the bright green. So it's like, oh yeah, I think that's Mendy's people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was really cool to see because, I mean, again, he's playing with bruised ribs, Brandon. You know, as a goalkeeper, that could not have been easy. Yeah, he. Let's just say they made sure he didn't feel it. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think two more topics before we wrap up this one from my side, at least anyway, I think the first one, how does it feel to be in the stadium to watch Azpilicueta lift the trophy? Because, you know, we've, we've seen the guys win trophies. We've seen them win them on television and stuff like that, but to be in the stadium, to win the biggest trophy in club football in the world, in the manner we did, what, what is that like as a fan to, to, to witness that moment in person? It's tough one. <laughs> the ultimate type of, you know, it's like capstone for a career, right? Like it's, you know, you see someone come into a club and, you know, go from being, you know, a, a sometimes, you know, interchangeable part, you know, sometimes potentially going to be replaced by, you know, someone else, whether it's Flip Louise or, you know, Reese James is going to, you know, eventually you know, be the person that benches him for this whole season, but to uh, come back into the side to have this resurgence and to be so integral, um, both in the match and then over the course of this Champions League run and within this season is just a, a real great testament to how much of a professional he is. And, and there were many, many people who were waiting for Azpilicueta to be done 
waiting for Aspilicueta to be no longer the captain at Chelsea. And they are not typically the people who listen to this podcast, so we're not speaking to them. <laughs> they are not typically the people that we engage with, but they exist as a part of this ecosystem. They have receipts on Twitter. You can go find them. Well, I, there, there's now the Bad Chelsea Takes uh, yeah. Twitter account, right? They, I'm sure they're going to surface some stuff online later. But, you know, again, we love Dave. We've had a chance to interview him. We've had a chance to, to meet him in person before uh, in Minneapolis. And just the, the nicest guy and so deserving of it. And, you know, not, not just him, right? You know, uh, Drew getting a chance to win. Uh, all of the young guys, you know, Reese having an incredible night and getting a chance to win from the younger side, too. It's just incredible. Yeah. Big, Big Willie. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I'll say about Dave, though, because, again, I, I only get player shirts that I like and respect. Um and I have a I have a Dave shirt uh, because I I just think he is the embodiment of maxing out your potential as a player. You know he's not the fastest. He doesn't have the best pass. He isn't the tallest, right? But he has carved out for himself a almost ten year Chelsea career, <laughs> and and has been integral to every team that he's he's played on in every season and to understand that this is the last thing that he hasn't been able to get it over. And we haven't even been to a semifinal for seven years. You know, like this was, this was probably the, the, the shot for him to see him run over with just the, like a kid in a candy store with this trophy to, to not do a whole lot of hoopla before to put that thing down and to put it up. I, you know, I just, you have to feel fucking incredible for him and just proud of the type of leader that he is. I mean, like, not every captain is as likable as Cesar Spilicueta. I mean, this he is just a, a true gentleman from from start to back. I mean, we saw him last year, Brandon, at the uh, at the Holocaust Memorial uh, for the final whistle against hate. He's taken that incredibly seriously, right? And, you know, he's just a man. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I did say that I would love Mason Mountain to be the captain, right? But I I think, and I hope I did it respectfully by not slagging off Aspie and saying it's because he's doing a bad job. I just, Mason's the future of the club. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll own up to that. But, you know, to to watch him do it, I think the, the funny way I always say is like, if Aspie wanted to date your daughter, you'd be thrilled. For sure. Because he's such, to your point, a good guy. Uh, probably tucks in his shirt and ties his shoes. <laughs> well, uh, it wouldn't even be a consideration uh, because he's happily married, so he wouldn't be eligible to date. It you know. was uh, it's called a, It's called a scenario, Dan. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I'm going to take a segue here from Brandon about his uh, his potential captain here. So you guys are, you know, you've just seen the club lift the European Cup floating around in the, in the lower tier and a certain uh, Mason Mount is having an interview nearby and his eyes light up. He looks into the crowd and then he notices three gentlemen that he has seen before. Um, I'm hoping now that people have seen the video of this moment, but I'd rather hear the story through, through your guys' perspective. What does it feel like to be picked out in a crowd of Chelsea fans by a guy who has just put in an absolute world-class performance in a European Cup final and then taking the time to come over, high-five, quick hello, what what is that moment for you guys, and and is that the abiding memory that you're gonna you're gonna sort of take from from being in the stadium? 
Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course it is. Like it's the, the reason I think we got that to that point is like most of the celebrations were done. A lot of people had started to leave, but Mace had to come over and do, you know, his customary media responsibilities. And so they had him off to the side. And so we were on that side, luckily. Um, it, It was like a short walk to get down there. And we saw him in this like small pool of reporters. And so Dan did a really good job of getting up to the front. And I was like right behind him. And I was actually on, on the phone with, with my best friend, Joe from home, and we were talking about the win and everything. And, and Dan was like, Mason. And then, like, the video says it all, right? You see his eyes light up. You see the recognition. He points over. He comes and high-fives Dan first. He high-fives me next. And you're like, holy shit, did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I, I, I had the, the camera out just, like, you know, taking take photos, you know, soaking it all up. And, you know, just say, you know, Mason, Mason. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I was, you know, I, I thought maybe he'd, like, you know, throw the eyes up, acknowledge, you know, give like a wave. Cause you know, again, we, we met before. Um, but the fact that, you know, again, it, with all these protocols and things too, you don't know like what is or isn't allowed and it probably maybe violated some type of rule. So uh, certainly sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mace. Um, uh, but he runs over, uh, gives the quick high five and you're like, Oh man, I should have been like recording or taking a video. And thankfully, you know, uh, someone online, uh, had the video searched Mount in Twitter found our account with the like the photos and actually posted the video to us which was uh you know cla- you know class uh, a it, effort it is genuinely uh, dan and i were talking we're like no one's gonna fucking believe this yeah it was yeah. Uh, it was steven uh who uh posted it and uh we were very thankful to eternally steven. grateful to steven because no one's gonna believe it i posted it and he found it and whatever and, and posted the actual video but like Again, Mason has a thousand thoughts in his head right now, Brandon. He could be doing anything else, and he decided to be extraordinarily cool and come over. Well, I almost missed it. You did? Because I wasn't next to you guys. I was like a couple rows back, and I didn't realize what was happening. So he'd actually turned to walk away, and then I got down to you. And I pretty much just like barged you past him, stuck my hand out, and he came back. And at that point, so many people were there that me and ten people high-fived him, but I knew it was for me, so... Only for you. <laughs> but uh, I think to your point, Joe, that is the uh, the moment, you know, that will replay again of like the, you know, because it was right. The, 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 all of the emotion, all the energy, all the excitement, you know, the ability to get a chance to, you know, quickly celebrate it with one of the players is just a, a pretty special thing of it, too, that, you know, I think is going to transcend yeah, time. Well, look, I mean, he's such a personable guy and like. You know, we, we've been lucky since we interviewed him in 2019 when he was like three games into his Chelsea career um, that we, you know, we've exchanged the occasional DM with him. And he's been extraordinarily kind to us, but just sending him messages of support, especially as things weren't always peachy this season. But to see the player that he's fucking evolved into this over the last six months, let alone a year, is insane. And for him to be the guy now, I mean, he, it is so clear that he is the guy at Chelsea Football Club. Like, it is so special, and it was so great to get us, like, thank him for that performance. I mean, Smart, Smarter Scout put the stats out today and said he has, like, Ballon d'Or-type stats, and, like, he just was immense. I tell you, Joe, I f- was freaking out when he came off at 67 minutes. I was like, oh, man, because it's going to be a huge drop. Nothing against Kovacic, but, like, he's that big of a player for us. Yeah, he, he's an immediate part of any 11 that you put together for Chelsea and... England. Yeah, and should be for England as well. Um, 
is just his evolution and rise, you know, only has done this much at 22 and you can't even imagine like what are the next, you know, eight to 10 years look like for this kid. Um, it, it, I think it's just really special. We're, we're so lucky. He's one of our own. We're so lucky for what Cobham or as you're calling it now, the Academy has, uh, the has done Joe. Academy. The Academy. The, we, we've taken the from the Ohio State and we have become the yeah. Academy. Joe, I, you've heard us ramble and, and, you know, reminisce. You're watching this on TV. You're probably remembering some of the same things. What stood out to you? Before I get into that, I have one, one final question for you okay. guys. For me, leaving Munich, leaving the stadium was one of the most surreal and weird and magical experiences I've had leaving a football stadium. What was the, what was the night like for you guys afterwards? What was the emotions like? You know, what was that experience after the game? Because for me, that kind of social time, particularly with my dad, was was something that I'll never ever forget. But you know, you, you guys have have had this pod. You know, you've grown it into this this amazing and wonderful thing. You've now what gone to to see the team, you know, win a win a European Cup, which not many people can say they that they have done. What is that that atmosphere like? What is that moment like for you guys as you're heading back to the hotel? And what was the night like in terms of of, of just celebrating and and just sort of I suppose sort of maybe sort of reminiscing or reflecting on, on, on how far you guys have come as a, as a trio. Uh, it's, you know, th- th- there were so many things we, we were doing, right? Like we, uh, we FaceTime our friend, Mike Ryan Luis, uh, yep. during, you know, during the celebrations and like, it was so loud. <laughs> I mean, your ears are ringing when you're leaving. It was so, so loud, you know, that we basically we're just, you know, miming and pantomiming things across the video to celebrate and recognize. And, you know, basically we got brought into, uh, the South Florida blues kind of, uh, celebrating and, <sighs> pull, you know, uh, beer flowing everywhere on their end up in the air. And that was great to kind of witness, but, yeah, you know, I think in general, like you, you as you're walking out, you feel yeah dra- a little drained. Yeah, yeah, like you feel like the you're you're running high, like you, me- you but your mental ability to comprehend what has transpired so quickly <laughs> to that point, right? Like seven minutes felt like an eternity, but you know when you look back on the fact that it was only a ninety plus minute game, didn't feel that as long the moment you were done. Yeah, I mean. To your point, it's kind of lucid. Like, A, you don't want to leave the stadium. You're kind of like, well, the players left. Because then like, it's we over. Ha- we have to. Right? Like, then then the match is over when yeah, you leave the stadium. Yeah, experience. So we're like, well, Roman's gone. Asby's gone. Everyone's gone. Like, I, I guess we got to go. Um, and so you kind of get out. And to be fair, you got to go up a hill right away. And you're like, I do not have the energy for this. Like, I am so tired. But you're in this lucid state where you're kind of just like – you're immediately trying to relive everything. And a lot of the things that you missed are finally starting to like sink into you. I think we were actually pretty quiet, our group of five or six on the way back, because we were all kind of beside ourselves. We hadn't really eaten and we had we had drank a lot. And so batteries were low. Uh, I would compare it to there's there's a great episode of New Girl where they all go see Prince. It's the Prince episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the wonderful thing. And, and after the whole episode's over, no spoilers for those who haven't seen it, all, all the, you know, the, the main characters are on a couch, and they're just sitting there going, where do we go from here? <laughs> like, they're all looking at each other in disbelief. That's how I felt. I was just, like, giggling, and like I, but not really all there. And we all got off, and we trudged up, and we we started to drink again and get our second legs. We ordered these hilariously small pizzas on accident. That pair of city fans, (laughs) big mouthy on the road, champions of England. Yeah, like it was just Joe. I think I think you probably were in the same spot in Munich, right? Where it's just like 
how do you get a third wind after this? Well, and it, and it was weird because, <laughs> yeah. you know, Munich, the, I'm sure the pubs are flowing. Remember, Porto is shut down. Yeah. You know, they've got COVID. Yeah. They've got COVID curfew at 1030. So, like, it was it was empty as was well. So, like quiet. you said, yeah, you had to deal with it yourself. Yeah. There's no extra socializing until we got back to the apartment. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pre-purchased beers were, uh, again, a tactical masterclass. Uh, Guardiola wishes he could do it as well as Nick Verlaine did there with the, the preparation planning. Um, I was on it. And, uh, you know, uh, a couple bags of uh, chips and uh, basically just trying to uh, exhaust a, uh, a bottle of Jack Daniels that was purchased uh, maybe irresponsibly. Yeah, mistakenly. Uh, it was, <laughs> so, yeah. Can we, can we, can we talk about uh, the, the clip of Brandon just sort of walking through the streets of Porto necking <laughs> said, uh, said bottle of Jack Daniels? <laughs> it, no, thank you. It's a photo that will remain in my camera, Wolf roll for some time um, it will not make it to uh to the broader socials but, no uh, it's not gonna make it to the edit no, no. I, I don't think so but it was i don't know why we did this at the end of the night it was right as we as we were calling you joe but we decided decision. we decided like we were gonna throw it away and then brandon just kept holding it, and i was like well if you're gonna hold it we might as well fucking drink it like let's do, let's do something with this thing and then we just passed it, it around it became a model of waste not want not it was yeah. a very good conservational <laughs> approach yeah, it it so it was fun. We were in the apartment. Olivier came over. Uh, we met a guy named Liam. We met uh, Zach, who does some stuff on the Chelsea TV YouTube channels. Yep. So again, like these weird experiences, right? Like, why would I have ever met most of these people? But everyone was just you know right up for it. It, it was nothing but celebrating. You know, I don't look. It was it was just the perfect like. Kind of like small, intimate nightcap to one. Of, to We're all sharing things. stories yeah. and like the, the most yeah. unbelievable night. The really interesting thing, and I think you know, this is the idea that like Chelsea are back, right? Chelsea are now a dominant force again in Europe. The way the pride and the passion that was coming out of everyone speaking about Chelsea, and the way they were framing conversation about particular players or the club. You know, in, in all of these factors and facets, there there was a little there was a little edge on the statements. There was a little bit of cut to them mm. in the way that maybe earlier in the season we didn't talk about Chelsea, but that that energy, that emotion, that vibe to every single word had like a larger resonance to it because of just Dan, the word you're looking for is confidence. Yeah. And it We've been bolstered. We got we got our immunity shot. I, I got I got some confidence, Joe, when I saw Tuchel do his uh, his post game pressers. He has this like wry smile smirk thing that is essentially like I know what I just did. I know how I just set up my team. I know how they performed. By the by, I'm pretty fucking good at this, and uh, I perhaps I should be in consideration for more than just Pep's friend. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, and he's also so excited to be to bring that Champions League trophy to the negotiating table with Marina next week. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met my friend here? It's the, it's the Champions he's League. He's called trophy. Big Ears. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's uh, that's amazing. Um, trying to think in, in terms of in terms of summing this up. I mean, it, it seems like you know a you know a, a trip that was kind of born out of yeah, you know, shall we do this during a pandemic? Has turned out to be one of the the best things that you guys have done. So sort of in terms of, you know, we do three word match reviews on here. What's your three word trip review? 
So fucking worth it? That's four. Yeah, got him. God. I'll allow it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like we did it. Um, it could be thank you was next. Was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you next is great. Champions of Europe. It just... Europe is blue. I mean, there were there were so many good ones. Uh, the one one also was uh, Dan was right. I saw that tweeted at us. I thought that was a really insightful one. My um, gosh. <laughs> you'll yeah. find it one of the whole weekend. Whoever tweeted that got blocked on Twitter from me. No, um, you don't know how, how our Twitter works. Uh, look, I, I will I will say credit to Dan uh, for his optimism throughout the season. I think. Um, it ended up paying off, even though we got there in a extraordinarily roundabout way, um, <laughs> and certainly not the way that anyone would have predicted at the beginning of the season. But I mean, he certainly he certainly called it. He certainly called the why not us, and so you got to tip your cap there. Um, I I had Europe is blue is just in my brain right now, and you know for us to have this show called London is blue, and for us to go to a European Cup final and to see the team lift the cup and to understand Joe, as you know, having done the King's road show and, and started to allude to this, what's, what's coming through the Academy still, Yeah, you know, it's, it's not just about yeah. now. It's about what you do with it next. And hopefully the team and the organization and, and the structure behind it, understand this crystal opportunity because we didn't do exactly what we should have after the last one. And I hope they've learned from that. You know, I think if you're you're more focusing on like this the 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 sum of all of it, it's maybe like this is Chelsea. Like Chelsea is about winning through adversity. It's about defying the odds. It's about being the underdog and coming up good. And I think that the next challenge to the point you're you're kind of talking about is you know now next season everybody is going to be gunning for Chelsea. Chelsea's the team. No one's going to want to draw. They don't want to be in our group stage. We're not the hunter. Yeah, we we are. The, you know, every you know, you're, when you're first, the only people behind you are you know over your shoulder, right? Like you're not looking forward to anybody else. So you have to set the pace you want others to follow at. Yep. And ultimately, it's going to be incumbent upon Tuchel. It's going to be incumbent on the players to rise, you know, level up the standard of what it means. Because this is Chelsea. Like this is what we are. It's chaos and trophies to, to Joe's famous phrase. Um, and and we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, it's but it is the standard, right? And and again, if they start slow next year, if they if they don't put their shooting boots on, if if results go haywire like they did, you know, in the in the fifteen sixteen season that we so often reference, like you know, th- this will seem like a mere memory very quickly. So you know, I think the the challenge, I think Joe, is how do you take this moment and absolutely get the most out of it, right? Not only from a recruitment standpoint, but how you uh, invest in the other, you know, teams and systems within the club, and like what you're doing to bridge the gap with supporters again, and all of the things that we know the club has as to dos on the old to do list. How do you take this moment and do the most? I mean, I think it's to kind of sum on that, like history is not a pre-manufactured or prefabbed house like history is built brick by brick and this is a massive boulder of a brick that's been laid in the foundation of what chelsea's history is what is now a part of our our dna for so many players who are now champions league winner it can be said before all of their names and, and i think the incumbent upon that is to continue to place large bricks in our history that reflect the 
in energy and investment of the of the players of the owner of the the supporters the, the wonderful supporters uh, out in Porto from their homes um, wherever they may be uh, who were carefree throughout this match celebrating on the team to to continue to build upon that history and that legacy yeah I, I think that you know the main takeaway from from all of this for me is that this has to be the start of, of a new era now at Chelsea this has to be a catalyst for continuing to to want to pursue excellence and you know that comes from recruitment that comes from continuing to to utilize the academy in a way that you have a Reese James and Andreas Christensen you have a Mason Mount playing for you in the final and you know to to see the value in combining what is you know from Chelsea's academy I still think you know some of the best young prospects in in world football combining them with the the sort of senior the experienced players that we have um, but it goes beyond that, as you say, it goes on to continue to to build, um, you know, relations with fans, continuing to to develop the profile of the club, to, to build on the back of the excellent work that they've done through the global pandemic and, and to really utilise the, the European Cup for a, a kind of maybe like a permanent change in Chelsea. I think they have the right coach now. I think Tuchel has shown certainly in the big games that he is one of, if not the, the best coaching in world football in terms of how he can set teams up and, you know, not many people can say that they've beaten Guardiola three times on the bounce. Um, we've got, I think, you know, Peppers has changed his midfield or changed his system three times in those games. Still hasn't really come close to, to cracking the, the the nut here. So, you know, they have the coach. I think they have the foundations now of a very good young core of players. Um, you know, from a from a global standpoint, yes, you know, the, the Super League stuff is, is still going to be there, but I don't think that maybe overrides what, the club have achieved from a, um, you know, kind of a, almost like a humanistic standpoint with, with their stance and what they've done during the pandemic and the living wage and, and, you know, the stance they've taken on racism and anti-Semitism and all this fantastic work. But now I think to, to sort of, you know, borrow some, some sort of business partners now, everything now has to sort of be a sort of holistic, um, you know, kind of position that the club now take. Things all have to start moving in the same direction at the same speed at the same time. I think where we made mistakes in the past is we tried to do things in certain areas of the club and left other areas behind, you know, and I think now it's about focusing on trying to, to create that, that sort of core sort of Chelsea DNA, that core kind of Chelsea object, and then pushing that forward with everything around the club. Because I think, you know, if we are able to, to get the recruitment right, to continue to develop young players, to continue to build the image of the club in, in the right way, um, that, that there's so much that can be achieved here, but you know we have to we have to get things correct in this summer. We have to get correct things correct going forward. Um, and I think I'm I'm optimistic now. You know I think after the final, the way we won, the way that we were actually, we I think I don't think anyone can question it. We were the best team in the Champions League this season. We, I think the yeah. the stats bear that out. The the performances bear that out. Any any metric, any eye test you want to apply, we were the best team. Um, and now it's about building on that. And I think that the goal now will be for this this group and, and the club to, to show that they can do this over a 38-game season in the Premier League. I love winning the European Cup. It's the biggest trophy in world football. But for Chelsea to now get back to being that benchmark team in England, being that team that that is, is capable of competing domestically and in Europe, we need to have a big title challenge next season. Not necessarily saying that we're going to win it. Liverpool will be back. City will build again. United will spend, um, but it's now about looking to, to to compete domestically and still have these sorts of, of performances and abilities in Europe. So, you know, an absolutely incredible end to the season. Um, 
But, you know, it, it's like everything in life. We've created this enormous amount of positive momentum now coming out of the season. You don't want that to, to stop in the summer if we recruit poorly or if we don't push on in, in certain areas. So it's about using this momentum, using the positive energy that we've generated and continue that into, into next season. We don't want to be the Chelsea side of, of recent where we yo-yo up and down each season and we have a you know a down year. We want to use this as a springboard. And I think then, and 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 I think probably, you know, with, with Tuchel at the helm, with, with some decent recruitment, with continuing efforts off the pitch, I do think there's a possibility that we close the gap massively on City domestically and that we can continue being a, a real sort of force in, in European football as well going forward. The good news is, you know, Chelsea were an attractive option before this now puts us in like top tier if if you want to go get some of the best players they're going to be much more up for joining chelsea than maybe they were even six months ago so you talk about recruitment opportunities hey you win the champions league freaking door all the doors are open well champions league you extend tuchel so you know that there's some stability there i mean again almost uh, as much stability as good results can buy at chelsea um, you know, Thiago Silva gets extended. You know, you're adding uh, leadership. You now have a core of young players who have won uh, a title. And that builds this character. It builds a mentality within this team. Like, this team is only going to grow. And now you have the luxury, I think, of adding, you know, pieces in areas of need and don't have to go like, hey, we got to rebuild and refresh a whole team, right? Like, you know, when Lampard inherited the team, right, you had to plug a lot of holes with academy players and figure out, like, could we make this work? But they've matured, they've grown, uh, and they're now, you know, institutions within this team. And so we, we really are looking at a couple of elements of fine-tuning to do what Joe says and I think really kind of, you know, land land the plane in the league. Yeah, my, my last word on this will be Mason Mounts, 22, Reese James, even younger, Pulisic's 22, Kai Havertz 21, maybe 22 now. I don't know if he had a birthday. But, like, you you look at the insanely young side that, we're, that we have and that we can build, and the fact that they've won the Champions League at this stage removes that doubt from their mind for the rest of their lives, that they can do it, that they can win the big one. And... I mean, for fuck's sake, now you just got to go figure out how to beat West Brom and Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now you got to figure out how to how to how to go, uh, you know, to Brentford next season and and beat teams that are going to set out a block against you. And so uh, I'm I'm pretty confident that we've done the hard part <laughs> uh, in, in winning the Champions League. And now it's it's potentially just figuring out how to do it a little bit more consistently. So. I just a huge amount of credit to all the youth that have come through, a huge amount of credit to the academy that produced them uh, and Neil Bath and everyone in that org structure and uh, a huge amount of credit to the blood, sweat and tears that were exercised on the field last night. And uh, you know what? It's the off season, which for us is no off season. It's we go again starting, season. starting next week. So. Uh, and Joe, you're going to be with us for Keeps So Alone, uh, which is one of our next pods. So I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I need to uh, to, to maybe take off some some European Cup uh, biases after that because I'm uh, I'd be reluctant to sell people at the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's always, it's always one of my favorite pods of the year. That it's always a good one to have. I'm looking forward to it. Should we 
should we wrap? I, I I feel like this is the way I felt now after talking about it, At like the leaving stadium, the match. Yeah, like I, I've I've relived it, I've processed it, and now I'm in the state of just you know. It's like it's like Ocean's Eleven when they've got the heist and they all like one at a time kind of walk out and they're like, well, this is it. Like right. we're gonna, we're gonna slowly close the laptop dramatically, <laughs> slowly pick up the microphone and kind of like slow walk your way out of the room to make it dramatic. But yeah, I mean, I, we covered it. Yeah, we we love you guys. We hope everyone's being safe out there, and and we're gonna do our best to get home in a timely fashion tomorrow. And, uh, and Sh- then, shameless plug: we have new shirts. We do. Oh, and yes. still the only team in London with the European Cup. Yeah. So uh, if you go to the same Shopify page where you've purchased your Why Not Us shirt, I will tell you, I didn't even tweet about it, and someone has already purchased one off the site. Unbelievable. Is, yep. Uh, so yeah, go. We we made special shirts. We may have another special shirt coming out to celebrate the, the European triumph. Again, we'll be donating proceeds to Common Goals Anti Racism yeah. Project. So it's a you're doing a good thing for you, and you're doing a good thing for someone else. Um, look, guys, celebrate. Well, I think soak the, it in. the one thing too is that like we we understand um, how lucky and fortunate we were and grateful we were to kind of take in this match when when so many weren't, and you know so many. Season ticket holders, regular match goers who, who couldn't attend this game. And, and, you know, we, I think, are, A, uh, eternally grateful uh, to being able to attend this game, um, both as a group, but with all the other Chelsea supporters as well. Uh, and I think just understanding that, you know, we, we, we tried to share as much as we could um, to keep people, you know, just to, to share the experience. Not everybody could come. And it, it, we wish that it had been more fans who could have been there. We wish that it was a full stadium. And, and hopefully the next time, next year, um, when Chelsea are doing the business again, uh, why not using it to the final? Um, we could be there with more fans. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really good. Um, we have a lot of cool stuff. I went to the official store and bought a bunch of stuff, so I'm be giving away things through the Discord. So if you're interested in that, obviously it's through Patreon. Um, but like I said, we're trying to give back as much as we possibly can from this trip. Um, but uh, highly recommend going to a Champions League final if if allowed. You should. A plus plus would recommend. Yes. Imagine <laughs> imagine going to a Champions League final and not winning it, boys. Yeah. Imagine I, not being Chelsea. Yeah. I don't know. Joe, final word, and then we're out. After I end it with a tagline, don't I? It's chaos and trophy season, boys. Let's go hunting. <laughs> I'm in. Hey, everyone out there, thank you so much for hanging out and reliving this one with you. Hopefully it, it kind of gave you the the jitters and it gave you the 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 Chills. goosebumps like it did, you know, to us relive it. Uh, obviously, huge thanks to Joe jumping in the host seat tonight and uh, uh, crushing it. We'll have a lot more content coming out. I don't even know what's going to happen this week. I need to get back stateside, and then we'll have an update for <laughs> yeah. you guys. But, um, again, relish it, enjoy it, love it. Uh, and until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep, Keep the, the blue flag, flag flying high. high.